All right. We're going to be jumping in this morning. We're actually going to be concluding our Moving uh, Towards Maturity series. I, I, I don't know, I'm kind of afraid to say this because uh, you may disagree with me, but this is actually week eight of our series. I typically do not normally have series that go this long. Um, and so I was a little surprised, honestly. Maybe it's just the season and all that's going on. But I was really surprised a couple weeks ago when I realized, man, we're almost done with eight weeks of this series. I've really enjoyed bringing this series to you and sharing this series. If you haven't noticed this about me, one of the things that is really important to me is, is your growth. Is, is not that, that you get saved and then you stay there, but that you have a growing maturing relationship with Jesus. Uh, it, it matters to me. It's something I pray about every single day where I look and I, I call you out by name and I say, God, help them to grow. Help them to mature. Don't let them be in the same place today that they were yesterday. Let their lives be a, a life that is just moving and, and, and moving towards maturity. And, and out during this series, as we've shared, maybe that's why it's gone so fast for me. It's something that's definitely been on my heart. And, and here's the great thing that I know. No matter how much I want you to mature, no matter how much uh, you may want to mature or grow, God wants you to grow even more. He will provide the ways to help you to do that. It's sometimes our job just to be willing to take that step. He'll bring situations and circumstances and life that'll come. And, and what our job is, is just to keep on moving. And so this morning, we're going to kind of wrap this thing up. We're going to kind of try to put a bow on this entire series. But before we pray, we're going to look one last time at our main verse for the entire series. Probably by now you can, you can say it from memory, but it's in Hebrews 6, the first part of verse uh, 1. It says, therefore... Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, we thank you that you don't just save us and leave us. That, Father, you desire for us to grow and to mature because in that what we're really doing is we're becoming more and more like Jesus. We're kind of like when John the Baptist said, you know what, I need to decrease so Christ can increase. And here's what I know, God. The world doesn't need more errands. The world doesn't need more Emilys. The world doesn't need more Gordons or anybody else. The world needs less errands and more Jesus. And so as I grow, as we grow, as you transform us, you're really helping not just us grow in you, but helping us bring more Jesus to the world that needs Jesus. And so, Father, as we kind of put a bow on all this, as we kind of wrap up this series, God, I pray you would open our eyes, you'd open our hearts to what the Spirit is saying. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we conclude this series, um, as I was looking at kind of how I wanted to put the series together and kind of look at all this, I knew that as I was putting it together, I just kept going, man, I want to talk about this and I want to talk about this and I can't leave this out. That's kind of how the series got from basically a four to five, a six week series to a little bit longer. And because of the length, I thought, boy, how do I, how do I bring this to a close? How do I really kind of tie this all up? Because it, it, there's a lot here. We talked about a lot of stuff and a lot of vital things that I believe that God wants to use in your heart and in your life to continue to help you to grow in him. And the thing that I thought about was, listen, like if, if we share this series, if, if I taught on this series and listened to this series, but yet come January 5th, my life has stagnated again, that's really not what we're shooting for. I mean, if we're going to talk about keeping moving and growing and all those things and using movement as that expression of that, the thing I thought about was like, how do we share? How do I help you and me, because I need it too, to keep moving? Because like, it's easy when it's on your, right in the front of your mind. It's easy to kind of like, I know we're talking about this and I know I need to grow and I need to, to look at this. And every week it's kind of been talked about in a different way. But, but how are we in January or February or June of next year, how are we going to remember that? 
And so I thought, like, we got to figure out a way. I have to have the Holy Spirit help me come up with a way, not just for you, but for me, to where I can kind of make sure that I don't just move now when it's in the forefront, but that I continue to move forward. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 3. In 2 Timothy 3.14, this is what Paul writes his protege, Timothy. He says, but as for you... Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. You see, it's not enough for us to just move during these seasons in our life. God doesn't want us to move in seasons. He wants it to be a continual movement towards him, a continual growth towards him. And remember, like we've talked about before, God's not necessarily looking at us and going, I want you to be taking 10 steps a day. Now, sometimes when it happens, boy, those are awesome days and awesome times. But remember, movement can be an inch. Movement can be a step. Movement can be things that seem insignificant. But when you come back and you look over your life and you see that those inches turned into feet and those feet turned into yards and those yards turned into miles, then all of a sudden you realize that sometimes it's not about how quickly you're moving. It's just the fact that you're moving towards Christ and what he wants to do. So this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to do something that, honestly, I don't think I've ever done before in a lot of ways. And I think it'll help you and me to understand and keep on moving and continue to move because I want to put some tools in your hand to help that happen in your life and in mine. I don't know about you, but as we are entering into the Thanksgiving season and the Christmas season, I know that there's a lot of people that are very, very soon going to be getting into their vehicles and they're going to go over the river and through the woods to grandma's house. They're going to be doing that. And all of you that do that are going to sit down. I can, I can tell you this for sure. If you're going to be driving, you're going to sit down and you're going to put your hands on the wheel and you're going to look down and you're going to see something in front of you called a dashboard or a real fancy word was an instrument cluster <laughs> now here's the deal like like i haven't gotten a car in quite a while I'm not necessarily planning on getting one anytime in the immediate future but I, I i don't know how you shop for cars or trucks or whatever but one thing that is very important to me is the instrument cluster you go aaron that's dumb <laughs> Like, you should care about the engine or what the car looks like or how fast it is or, or what type of vehicle or how, how reliable it is. And yeah, I think about all those things too. But you know what you look at the most usually as you're driving your car, hopefully, besides the road? Your instrument cluster. You, it, all the information you need that's pertinent to what's going on in your, mo in, in your driving experience is there. You got how fast you're going. You got how much gas you got. You got, usually, it'll tell you, not that hopefully you don't realize this already, what gear you're in, or if you're in drive, or park, or neutral, or reverse, or whatever you might be in. And then, of course, they got all these fancy ones now, where it'll tell you the temperature, or the time, or your blood sugar, or whatever, yeah, and all sorts of different things. And, and, and I, I like these fancy schmancy ones, you know, where you turn on the car and it, like, welcomes you, you know? But there is a light on the dashboard that none of us like. And you know exactly, I, I didn't have to say it. I could see it in your eyes. You knew exactly what I was talking about. It's the check engine light. When the check engine light comes on, things are not good with the vehicle, right? Like, like, and I'm not much about cars. Like, I know you put gas in one end, you put oil in the other, and then you pray. Okay, that's about my extent. Well, I can change an air filter, but you know what I mean. That's, that's about all I can do. Oh, oh, oh. And I can put um, windshield wiper fluid in. <laughs> I'm awesome. No, I'm teasing. Um, so I got all this stuff. But, but man, I tell you what, th that is not a good day when the check engine light comes on. And here's what I've learned about the check engine light. The check engine light will turn on, and that does not necessarily mean the car will stop. The car sometimes will keep going. And I, I've always, I, I always love people that look at me and I was like, hey, your check engine light's on. And they're like, yes, if I ignore it, it'll go away. But the check engine light is there. Or it'll come on. And I've had that happen. And I'll, I'll drive to a mechanic or, or AutoZone or something like that. And they have one of these really cool diagnostic tools. And they hook it up to the car. And then they, they spit out all the, the, the money it's going to cost you to fix it. You know? 
But at some point, I've learned if there's something wrong with the vehicle, it don't matter how much you hope, it doesn't matter how much you ignore it, that check engine light's not going to go away. And that check engine light isn't there to annoy you. It isn't there to bother you in a lot of ways. It's there to alert you that there's some things that aren't working that should be working in your vehicle. This morning, what I want to do as we kind of really bring this whole thing to a close is I want to give you some diagnostic tools. I want to help you to be able to look at your life. And I, listen, you need to be doing this regularly. Okay, if you go, well, I'll do this once a year. I'm going, no, that's not enough. But as I looked at how to close this series, I, I kind of came with this mindset of like, God, in our lives at times, you turn on some check engine lights. And that's good. And I appreciate that. But God, how also can I be able to diagnose my own life a little bit too? God, I appreciate those lights. And sometimes, trust me, I have had them come on in my life. But how do I also allow myself to look at my life realistically, honestly, so that maybe, just maybe, the light that God was going to turn on won't need to be turned on because I have been able to look at my own life and adjust it accordingly to what God has for me and you. And here's what I've learned. Listen, you need to get this. Anytime, whether it's been through the, the check engine light in my spiritual life or it's been a time where I have been able to recognize some areas of growth that I need to have, whenever that's happened, let me go back to the car analogy. Man, the car runs well. Man, the car. And sometimes, you know what we've realized? I realize, like, you don't even know how poorly the car's running until you allow God to do some work under the hood. This morning, what I want to do is I really want to go back, because again, this was a long series, and I want to look at some of these things, but I want to also give you a diagnostic question. And here's what I've asked. I don't usually do this, okay? But please, will you do me a favor? If you didn't get notes this morning, get them. Because I want you to hold on to them. Or you could do this. Listen, they're going to be up here on the screen, okay, in just a minute. They're going to be up here, each one. Take your phone out. It won't bother me at all. Take a picture. Get this information because I want you to use this. This is a tool that I'm giving you for your life and mine to help us continue to grow and continue to mature. So right now, what we're going to be doing for the rest of our service time together is we're going to look at some spiritual diagnostic questions we need to ask ourselves often so we can continue to move and grow in our faith. And what we're going to do is we're going to go over some of the things that we hit over our entire series to not only remind you of some of those things, but also to give you that question at the end to help you in that. Our week one, we talked about this idea of kind of laying the groundwork for the entire series. We talked about moving towards maturity. We talked about this concept that God wants us to move. It's not just a situation where in a lot of ways um, we can just stay stagnant, but there needs to be movement in our lives. We talked about the fact that not only should there be movement in our lives, but that Jesus really models that for us. Look at Mark 10. In Mark 10, 45, look what Jesus says here. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to, uh, not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Listen, if we're going to be more like Jesus, our life should be a life of motion. It should be a life of growth in a lot of ways. Jesus is saying here, listen, I came, there's movement, and I serve, there's movement in that. So Jesus is modeling this for us. He's saying, listen, I want you to be a people that is growing, a people that is not stagnant or immobile, but a people that is moving towards me and growing in me and experiencing deeper and deeper levels of what I have for them. We talked about this concept of usually what keeps us from moving or what, what spiritually brings mobility into our lives. We talked about a lot of different things in that. We talked about the idea of, of fear and doubt and distress. Distraction and failure 
and all these things that can kind of come and, and really halt our forward movement with our relationship with God and how in a lot of ways we have to recognize those things and not allow them to keep us from moving forward with our relationship with Jesus. Question number one that we need to ask ourselves is this, what is keeping me from moving? What is keeping me? Now, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you, if I didn't mention this before, I'm going to give you seven questions that you need to ask yourself often. So that's why you need to keep this information. So like, and and maybe, and and I would say this, this is not one of those things that maybe you want to do like all in one day because there's a lot of stuff here. But guess what? There's going to be seven. How many days a week is there? Seven. Maybe Maybe pick a week, once a month once every couple of months, and just be like, listen, this is my spiritual growth checkup week. And on Sunday or whenever, when you get together with the Lord in your private time, do what you typically do, but in your prayer time and in your time of, of, of reflection, look and ask this question, is there anything, what is keeping me from moving? Because here's what will happen. A lot of times, this is stuff that we talked about, fear and doubt and disappointment and all those things. Man, they can creep into our lives and sometimes we miss it. And sometimes we need to ask that question. Is there anything keeping me moving forward? And allow the Holy Spirit in those moments to reveal those things to us. So we have to look at those. So maybe on the first day of the week, start with that question. What is keeping me from moving? In week two of our series, we talked about this concept of basically learning uh, that, that movement requires fuel. That movement requires fuel. And that fuel sometimes can be other things, but what we need that fuel to be, what it can't be of, of anything else is the Word of God. That we need that fuel. And we talked about how in a lot of ways, not only do we need that fuel, but we need to start learning how to feed ourselves We talked about going from, you know, kind of the the high chair to the bib to the apron and how we understand God's word and how God wants to use that word. We talked about this concept that you cannot outwork a bad diet. Like we think we can do that. Like, oh, God's word's great and it's fine, but but if I serve enough or if I give enough or if if I do this enough, then that will take care of the fact that really what my spirit needs and what I'm hungry for is God's word. And you can try to outwork it, but it's just not going to work. We need that fuel. That fuel will keep us moving. Without it, we'll find our lives become more and more stagnant, more and more not moving. And I think for a lot of us and and, and a lot of people, what they struggle with is they think that they can eat other things and continue to move spiritually in growth with Christ. And it's just not going to work that way. We need God's word in our lives. We need that word moving and active in our lives. And we don't need to just be a people who come on Sundays and and let me feed you. Now that's important and that's a part of what we do. But remember, God wants you to grow in that. So that, that you can be a person, not only that feeds yourself, which is a massive part of this, but even have the ability to share these things, what God is sharing with you with others. Now I know like some of you go, oh, what you mean I'm supposed to get up here on a Sunday? That's not what I'm necessarily meaning. What I mean though is you have people in your home and in your family that man, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to look at them and say, you know, I was in my, I was in the word this morning and God spoke this to me or I didn't notice this before. Isn't this awesome that God's word communicates this. Look at this promise that comes from God's word. In those moments, you are not just being someone that is being fed. You're not just someone that's feeding yourself. You, in turn, kind of put on that apron. You grab that tray, and now you're serving others from from God's word that you desperately need. So the question here, spiritual diagnostic question number two, how consistently am I feeding myself from God's word? Now, notice here what has been underlined. Consistently consistently and myself. Listen, I'm glad you're here. I want you to be here. This should be a part of your spiritual diet when I share and bring God's word. But here the question is not... How often are you at church? How often do you watch a podcast or or a video of a pastor? 
The question here is, how consistently are you feeding yourself? Why? Because God wants to speak to all of us through his word. And he loves to speak to us individually about it. So maybe on Monday, Monday you, you, you look at this question, how consistently am I feeding myself from God's word? In week three, we talked about this concept of everyone playing their part. I, I, I talked about music, and I talked about how when music flows together, there are different, or at least the music I enjoy, there are parts, and, and the parts flow, and they go in and out of harmonies and melodies, and I just love that. But here's what I know, if, if everyone thinks that the part they want to play is the same, then you're going to miss out all the, and all the beauty that comes from the harmonies and the melodies that the author of the music wrote. We talked about this concept that, that God not only assigns the parts, but he arranges the parts. He's the one who puts all these things together. He's the one who says, listen, you need to sing this part. You need to sing that part. Because here's what we need to remember. God created us. He knows us even better than we know ourselves. And there's things where God wants to say, you know what? I want to put you here so you can be a part of this and be this part and be a part of this thing. Our job is not to arrange. Our job is not to assign. Our job is to simply accept the part that God has given us to play. And when we can do that, we can really do some amazing things together for the kingdom of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse number uh, 11. It says, is it, uh, that's, that, is, that is 2 Timothy. Is there a 1 Corinthians? Is that right? It is, yeah. What's the next one, Linda? Yeah, that's Second Timothy. I miss Second Timothy. Can you? Let me just go there. Let me just turn. I got my Bible right here. I, I, I'm when I was talking about movement, or I'm was talking about the feeding us from the Word of God. I, I miss Second Timothy. Boy, it's been leaving y'all amazed with me, haven't I? All right, here we go. So we're in First Corinthians. 12, we're going to start with verse number 11, and then we're going to jump to number, verse number 27. It says this, it says, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And now let's jump to verse number 27. It says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And so in that concept, we have our part to play. We have something that we all need to be doing together. God assigns them. He's put us in those positions. And so when we can play those parts, it can really make some amazing, beautiful music for the kingdom of God. Spiritual question number three. Have I accepted my part? And what does it look like for me to fully play it? Remember, we talked about that. God assigns. God arranges. Our job is to accept it. Our job is to say, God, what part do you want me to play? And how can I play it to the full? That's what God has for you and for me. Verse, or week number four, we talked about this concept of, of basically you giving people something to eat. We talked about the story of the feeding of the 5,000. We talked about how the 5,000 was just probably, it was just men. There was probably enough people there. Most uh, historians and theologians think there was probably enough people there to fill up the ball arena. There was probably around 18 or 20 or 15 to 20,000 people that were fed that day. We see that story where, where basically they'd been teaching and it was getting late and all the disciples are kind of like, Jesus, send them away. Like they got to get something to eat, we send them away. And Jesus in Matthew 14, 16 basically looks and he says, listen, he says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And man, what a statement that must have been. When we look at the story, it's a story that's in all four Gospels. We see sometimes uh, the disciples responding like, listen, that's going to take a miracle. That's going to take months' wages. How in the world are we going to do that? And we were talked about the fact that Jesus in this situation, he doesn't need the disciples. Jesus had the power and the authority in that moment to feed every single one of them. 
but he chooses to include us in the miracles that he wants to do in the lives of people in our lives. He could have said, you know what? Hey, these people are hungry. There you go. Chick-fil-A number one for everybody with a sweet tea. There you are. He could have done it. We laugh, but he could have done it. God has that authority. God has that ability. He could have done it, but he doesn't. He goes to these people, these men that have been following him and says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You take the things that you have in your hands. And when we will give those over to God, miracles can take place. Remember, I gave you all a spiritual assessment test. How'd that go, by the way? I know some of you were not happy with the results of that. It's a tool. It's not God's word, okay? But I also know that even those that may not have enjoyed it, because I, I did talk to some of you that were like, I, I didn't like that this said this about me. They also said, I also totally see some other things. We talked about basically helping you to identify your spiritual gifts and being able then to use them to make a difference. Because I believe very strongly that scripture tells us this, that each and every one of you have a gift that came from the Father. Every single one of you. We looked at those 24 gifts. You have something to give. So when Jesus comes to you and says, you give them something to eat, you know that you have something to give. In our story, it was a basically, John's gospel tells us it was a little boy with a little lunch. And in the hands of Jesus, thousands were fed. Thousands. Spiritual diagnostic question four. Have I discovered my gifts and am I using them to serve others? Have I discovered my gifts? If you go, well, I wasn't here that Sunday. I, I didn't get one of the assessments. Come see me. I'll get you one. I'll give you one. But it's not just about discovering the gifts. It's using them to serve others with those gifts. Week five, we talked about the fact that every single one of us have influence and how we need to use our influence, and how a lot of times people use their influence for their own selfish motives and their own selfish desires. But as followers of Jesus, we have been called to influence people for Jesus. Not to sit on the sidelines and let them be influenced by other things or the culture or the enemy, but to go into a part of their lives and influence them. And that that is a great thing that God has asked us to do. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says these words. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That as a people of influence, we are called to do that. We are called to be people that, that do our very best to live our lives as an example. Not pointing people to us but pointing people to Christ. You see, what Paul here is communicating is simply this. He's not saying follow Paul. He's saying follow Jesus. When we influence people, we're not influencing them and we shouldn't be influencing them in any other way but then to understand a deeper relationship with Jesus. Our lives should be a mirror of him and the ability to allow people not to see us as much as they see Jesus. We're not perfect in that. No one is. But as we grow and as we mature, our influence will hopefully get more and more and more because we are showing people who Christ is. Not only that, but Paul also writes in 2 Timothy 1.14, it says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We have to guard this. We have to understand. We talked about like what some, you know, like, like we can't be a good influence if we're being influenced by things that are negative in our lives. And it needs to be something that we guard. It's been entrusted into us to make an impact in people's lives. And what's so great about God and what he says here through Paul is, listen, now how are we going to guard that? The Holy Spirit is going to help us. So we're not alone in this. We have help. 
We have a God who's like, not only do I want you to use this to influence people for the kingdom of God, to help them find Christ, understand who he is in a deeper way, but the Holy Spirit's going to help you to do that. I don't have influence is what I've heard. I'm not a very good person to follow. Listen, all of that can be said about all of us as far as sometimes what we think, but it's not true. We have an influence that we can make and we can do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're not on our own. Spiritual diagnostic question number five. What am I doing to guard and grow my influence for the kingdom of God? What am I doing to guard and grow? Okay? We all have influence. The question is, how are we guarding it and how is it growing in our lives? And that's very, very important. Week number six, we talked about sharing our faith. We talked about how God has called every single one of us to be a witness for him, to be someone who goes and is a light in a dark place. And we talked about some things that were very honest, and we talked about how hard that can be and how difficult that can be sometimes for all of us because we have sometimes some unbiblical views of what it means to be a witness. We talked about the freeing uh, spiritual aspects of what it is to understand that God has not called you to be judge. He's not called you to be jury. He's not called you to be prosecuting attorney. He has simply called you to be a witness, to share what Christ has done in you. And we talked about this amazing story in Mark where there's a man who's been demon-possessed and, man, he is bound up and they can't, they're trying, you know, physical things to, to bind him and to keep him safe, but it's just not working. And Jesus does an amazing work in this guy's life, frees him up. We see in, in Mark that basically Jesus says, what's your name? And the demons reply, like, we're legion, like, this, we're a lot, and Jesus casts them out. And I love that in the earlier part of that story, it talks about this man who's literally naked, running around with chains. He's been hurting himself. He's, call, he's like calling out in the night. I mean, some serious kind of stuff. And then he has an encounter with Jesus. And I love what Mark says. He says he's sitting there in, he's in his sound mind. God through Jesus, has totally and completely revolutionized his life. Changed it from every aspect because that's what God does in our lives. That's what God did in your life when you came to know him. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't running around naked. I didn't, I get that. But spiritually speaking, you were dead. And Jesus came and he spoke life. And what was dead is now alive in Christ that's a pretty amazing transformation, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to go from a demon-possessed person to a sane person. Hey, that's pretty amazing too. But to take something dead and something that was spiritually dead and bring it alive is the greatest miracle of all time. And he did that in you. And he did that in me when we accepted him. And so what is he asking us to do now? Is to go tell people what Christ has done for you. Look at the end of this story in Mark 5, 18 through 20. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But look what Jesus says to him in verse 19. But Jesus said, no. No. Jesus said no. Like, what, what do you mean, Jesus? I mean, how great would that have been? Like, here's Jesus. He's going to stand up. He's going to speak. But before I do, I'd like to bring up Joe, who is formerly demon-possessed. He doesn't. He tells him no. But look what he tells him to do. Okay? He says, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So look at verse 20. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Jesus didn't say, listen, go preach a three-point sermon. Jesus didn't say, you know, basically make sure that you do this. Or that. He just simply said, go tell them your story. Go tell them what I have done for you. 
You know what his story was like? Listen, his story was basically this. There was a time I was bound, but God brought me freedom. You know what our story is, spiritually speaking? We were bound by sin, but because of Christ and His love and His forgiveness and His death on the cross, we can now experience the freedom. You know what so many people in our world need right now? It's freedom. It's freedom. And it only comes from Him. It only comes from Him. Spiritual diagnostic question number six. Who am I praying for an opportunity to share my faith with? We talked about that being a very, very awesome prayer. That when we pray, God, give me an opportunity to be a witness for you. That I've prayed that prayer. And you know what? I've never had that prayer not answered. And when you pray that prayer and you begin to call out for people that need to be, that are bound, that need to be brought freedom, that Christ will give you that opportunity and how we handle that and how we live in that way. Last week, we talked about living open-handedly. We talked about how in that concept, it's so much greater than what we typically think, which is how we spend our money. But we talked about how living generously and open-handedly literally means everything that flows from our lives. We talked about how there are so many areas where in a lot of ways we're kind of stingy with stuff. We kind of are given things and we hold on to them. We, I literally had you hold your hands together and, and, and hold them tight and realize that when God has given us things and we grab a hold of them and we don't live open-handedly, not only can those things not leave us and go to others, but we can't get more that Christ has for us. And that we have to live our lives like this, open-handedly, so that when Christ pours things into us, it naturally flows into others. And that our generosity needs to be more than just, just every other time or, or just little things, but it just needs to be a complete lifestyle change in how we use our time and our treasures and, and our wisdom and, our, and all the things that God has given us, everything that flows into us from God. It was not meant to be held on to us, but to continue to flow out to people that are in our lives. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. It says, a generous person will prosper. And I love this. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Listen, if you're dry, if you have some areas in your life that are parched, I would dare say there's a possibility that the reason why is you have not been living open-handedly in that area. Because what Scripture tells us is very clear. When we refresh others, we'll be refreshed. I mean, I don't know about you, but man, there, I, I'm excited about being able to bless some families together at Christmas time. Not, and listen, I know this is going to happen, and I'm not, that's not why. Like, I love to give. I love, be, I love to do it. Why? Because our God shows us that we are supposed to be like Him, and God is the biggest giver that's ever been. And I believe that God is going to use our generosity, not just to provide tangible things for people, but listen, listen, let's be honest. Those toys are going to break. Those sweatshirts or clothes, they're going to outgrow them. The food's going to be eaten and gone. But the impact that God uses our generosity in the lives of people will remain not just even through their lives, but Scripture says throughout eternity. Like, if we're going to invest in something, I want to invest in eternal things. Like, I'm an investor. I, we, we, we got retirement and all that, blah, 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 whatever. But you know what? Guess what's going to happen one day with all that? Hopefully, Emily and I use it, and then one day I'm going to be in a box and be in eternity. And hopefully, Easton can use it. And grandkids or whatever. And it's good to invest in those things. Don't misunderstand me. But man, I want to invest in eternal stuff. And to live open-handedly is doing that. When you invest your time into someone, you're investing for eternity. When you invest your wisdom in someone, you're investing for eternity. When you give of those types of things. 
those things will continue to bring forth fruit over and over and over again. Remember we talked about this also in 2 Corinthians 9. In 2 Corinthians 9, it says this, Now he who supplies the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seeds and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Everything we have, the seed, the bread, in this scripture, everything you and I own and have is because Christ and God has given it to us. And so when we have the opportunity to give to others, not only will we be enriched, but that thanksgiving will result in those things. Spiritual question number seven. How am I flexing my generosity muscle with my time, my talents, and treasures? How am I flexing that muscle? Because here's what I've learned about generosity. It's a lot like working a particular muscle group. The more you work it, the stronger it'll get. But at the same time, when you stop working that muscle, it get weaker and weaker and weaker. And I don't know about you, but, but, but as, as I, you know, I, I'm not much of a, you know, go to the gym and lift heavy objects, you know, but I like to go riding. And, and you know what I found? The more I ride, <laughs> this is mind-blowing, the more I ride, the stronger of a rider I become. But I've also noticed the opposite. If I say, well, I'm not going to ride for the next month. I'm just going to take the month off. That first ride, oh boy, it's hard. You're sore. You're working muscles. You haven't worked a lot before. And you kind of like, oh, oh, and you have to kind of work that back up a little bit. Listen, the more you give of yourself, of everything that flows from you, here's what's going to happen. Your generosity muscle is going to get bigger and stronger. Most of us know people in our lives that are extremely generous. Do you realize they didn't wake up one morning and become that way? They had to work, some of them, for years. And they're so good at it because they have a strong generosity muscle. And in that, in that, they are very much like Jesus. Because our God is a giver. He has given us so many things. Most importantly, Jesus. So listen, seven questions, seven days a week. Looking back over these things, I hope that, that even as I've shared some of these things with you, that, that even now the Holy Spirit is kind of like, hey, you remember that? Remember, remember that was like three or four weeks ago? How are you doing in that area? How are things going? But I wanted to give you some questions that you can ask. You can look at these things, answer them honestly and openly. Ask the Holy Spirit, like, like Lord, how am I doing in this area? Will you reveal to me? I mean, one of the great things that the Holy Spirit has come to do is illuminate those things in our lives. To speak truth and conviction when we need it. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, listen, man, maybe you're doing really well in, in one through four, but, but five, we need to grow in. We need to continue to move in. We need to allow those things in our hearts and our lives to be in constant strengthening and constant moving. And here's the deal. Here's what I truly believe. If you and I will take these seven questions and maybe once a month or every two months or three months, whatever, whatever God kind of lets you know, and we will ask ourselves these questions, and we'll look and we'll celebrate when we look at them. We go, man, I'm doing well here. I'm growing here. This is exciting. And when we'll look at them and go, maybe I, need to, maybe I need to do a little bit better in this area. I will promise you this. Because I truly believe it. Your spiritual life will be revolutionized. Not, not like a little bit. But like you will grow in ways that you never dreamed possible. 
Because you're actively being involved in the movement and the growth. You're actively taking that time to look at the dashboard and say, listen, how fast am I going? What, how much gas do I have? Is the check engine light on? Everything's good? All right, let's put it into cruise control and keep on moving. But you know what? If there's some things I need to stop and I need to pull in the garage, then I can do that so that the car, spiritually speaking, continues to move well at the way and the speed that God has called us to be. For some of us, there have been areas in our lives that we've stopped moving. We have. Let's just be honest. I think for all of us, if we're honest, we could identify an area of our lives, whether through the seven things we talked about over the last basically seven weeks, or maybe something that we haven't that God has revealed to you, where we could all look at it and go, you know, I haven't been moving here. That's not bad. What's bad is when we hear what God's word is saying, we hear what the Holy Spirit is helping us see, and we're too stubborn or prideful to acknowledge it and get moving. And for some of us, it's time to get moving again. And I believe that all of us are moving in certain ways. But you know what we tend to do? We tend to work in those areas in our strengths. Makes sense. But our God wants us to grow not only in our strengths, but in the things that we're not so good at. Those things that quite honestly, to do them, we need Jesus' help. So here's what's great. When you go over these questions and you look at them, you're not on your own. Remember what it said all the way back about guarding and your influence and all those sort of things? The Holy Spirit is going to help you. He, he's not going to just help you with that one. He's going to help you with all of them. You're not alone in this. But it's time to move again. As Paul is concluding his letter to the church in Corinth. And, and, and we're not going to get too much into it, but just know, you know, some of the things that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth were, were some harsh things. Um, and, and it had to be. There's, they were doing some things that were not good. And he concludes his letter to them in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, this way. And in a lot of ways... I felt like it was very appropriate that we end the series with this verse. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter, I close this series with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage one another. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. I want to read that again. Dear brothers and sisters, I close this series with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, God, we, we have had a longer series, but I believe a very, very important series. And Father, it doesn't do us a lot of good to talk about growing in maturity and movement if in a month we've stopped moving again. And here's what's great, Father. If we do, it's just starting again. It's not sitting there and having a pity party and feeling sorry for ourselves. It's going, you know what? I stopped moving. I got to get going again. I got I to gotta be more and more like Jesus. I got to allow these areas of my life that can bring forth immobility to stop so that I can keep moving towards you because Jesus you you do this in our lives 
And what a, what a joy that is. Like, to be more and more like you? Yes, sir, sign me up. I want to live a life of joy and peace and kindness and patience. And, and, and I want that for me. And not only that, but man, how will that affect my, 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 my wife and my son and, and this church and, and, and the person that checks us out at Sprouts or whatever. Like, like sign me up. But God, sometimes we, we stop moving. Sometimes we stop growing in the maturity that you've called us to. And so, Father, I pray that as we kind of put this all, kind of finish it all off, that, God, that we would understand that we need to continue to grow, that we need to continue to move, that we need to be a people that grow to maturity and understand that 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 task, that growth is not done until we're with you in eternity. And even then, to an extent, there's still going to be things that we learn and experience. So in some ways, maybe we never stop growing. But for today, in what we're talking about, that God, that we would never stop moving towards maturity in you. So that we would reflect you to our world and to our families and to every area of our lives. So God, as we look at these things together, I pray that we would use these questions regularly to do a diagnostic check on our own lives and allow you through your Holy Spirit to help us not just identify areas that may be issues, but also to fix them and to guard them so our lives are lives that are moving towards you. We love you and we thank you. You are so good and we love you so much. And we thank you that you call us to not just be where we're at today, but more and more like Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So listen, listen. The great thing about what the technology that we have is you can go back and you can watch any of these messages again. If you go, boy, you know, I do pretty good on one, three, five, you know, you can go back and you watch number two again and have that question. Let those things kind of remind you of some of those areas and some of those things, okay? So they're there to use as a tool, but do me a favor. Remember these questions, have them written down, have them on your phone so that regularly you can ask yourself and let those things happen, all right? Awesome. I hope you have a great week. For those that are online, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Happy Thanksgiving.